Good morning, church, man. What sweet worship, what wonderful rejoicing and singing in the house of God. I'm so glad to see every one of you here today. Um, last night, it was a little chilly. Night before, it was a little chilly, and I, I could tell that se- the season had changed, and uh, it's starting to get cold. Now, you understand, I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota, so uh, I don't have as thick blood as I used to, but... Uh, it's starting to get a little thin out here in the West Coast. But I like the cold weather. I like the seasons to change because it reminds me that in life, seasons change. Sometimes you might be in a season of drought and dryness. And sometimes you'll see that things are shifting and the, the trees let us know that seasons change. And the trees let us know that some things go dormant for a while. I don't know if that's good news for you, but it is for me to know that whatever is going on in my life, that if I just hold on to God, if I just be faithful, if I just keep walking forward, that seasons will change. And I'm just glad. I believe you're in a great season. You're in a season of harvest. You're in a season of overflow because you're here at church on a Saturday afternoon. There's a lot of football games to watch. There's a lot of cars to be fixed. There's a lot of taco trucks to overeat at. There's a lot of things to do. There's birthday parties. There's all kind of stuff. But I just think when we say we're going to come into the house of the Lord and give God our attention and give God our focus and give God our heart, man, God can change the world through people. How many of you know you don't need a lot of people to change the world? You just need some people who say, you know what, I want to do something. I'm unsatisfied with what I see. I'm not happy with the way things are. And that's what I love about this church is we believe in this city. We believe in the east side of Pasco. Somebody ought to say amen. And we believe that this city needs hope, not because it's destitute, but because they are God's people. And they need to know that there's a better life available to them. And so we just want to continue to spread the gospel and spread what God is doing. And so before we get started, as as Charles mentioned, I was going to come back to one of the things that we believe in at this church is finding freedom. Hopefully that doesn't scare you. Hopefully that encourages you. But let's just be honest. Everybody has come from a dysfunctional family. And if you don't believe that, that's dysfunctional. Because the Bible tells us that our first parents, Adam and Eve, there was this dysfunction in the family. There was blaming and putting together. And it's really sad when you read Genesis, it's kind of the book of the beginnings, and you see that the first kids, the first kids that were born, one of them ended up killing the other. You understand, this is removed from the Garden of Eden. This is as close to perfection on this earth as you can get. And there was murder in the first family. And so from generation to generation to generation to generation, Sin has woven its way into the hearts of humanity, and there is brokenness there. But I'm excited that we serve a God who knew, even from the beginning, who said from the very beginning, I'm going to bring a divine interruption. I am going to interrupt this cycle of pain and sin, and I'm going to interject freedom and deliverance even now. We don't have to wait for Jesus to come to find freedom and deliverance. In fact, I believe God wants to bring freedom and deliverance now so people on earth can know what it looks like. 
We're not supposed to just be moping our heads around, oh, Jesus, please come. I'm just going to eat my veggie burgers, and I'm just going to wait to you. No, 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 no. We got to have joy. We got to have peace. We got to have bringing back together. As Charles mentioned, one of the ways we do that is in a small group. I can preach until I lose my voice. I can preach all afternoon. Trust me. I used to preach long. I could take an hour easy. Don't tell me that. I can take an hour easy. But we have learned that the best way for us to find freedom and is really through each other. And so I want to do, I want to do something real quick uh, to just show you something. If you could pull out your phone. I know you got a phone. And this is not a shameless plug for the website or anything. I just want to make sure you can see this. If you pull out your phone, go to your, your, brow, your browser, your web browser. Sounds old school, huh? Go to your web browser, newmovement.church. Can you spell that? Put, put new movement on the screen so they can spell it just in case. It's been a long week. Newmovement.church. And if you go there right on the, right on the front, you'll see four buttons. Y'all got it? Four buttons. If you click on small groups, see that? Boom. Hit small groups. Push that button. You will see one small group. This is the group I'm going to be leading, which is on Wednesday nights here at the church. One hour, 637. Is my group is called Lost and Found. Reclaiming what you've loved and what you've lost. And I'm talking about emotional healing. I'm talking about, we're, we're not talking, we're, we're, we're working through emotional healing, forgiveness, addiction, all of those things. And I've entitled it The Lost and Found because I believe it's going to be a mixture of people who have felt lost but will feel found. And so if you wanted to sign up to my group, if you push the sign up button right there, it'll go to a sign up page. And there are two other groups that I know for sure are going to be launching one possibly in Walla Walla, another two here for sure. And if you were to go down to that small group part right there on the sign up, you click it, you'll see there's a couple different small groups that you can sign up for. And we want you to sign up because one of the things that's going to help you get freedom is for you to be there. Yeah, for you to be there. This is about carving out some time. Because you need to walk through and we need to have a group that's safe and that can trust you and also really learn from your experience. Some of you have some experiences that people need to hear so they can get from. We'll talk a little bit about today in the message. So I just wanted you to see that. If you were to go to our app, if you do have the app, you'll see it's updated. And right on the front uh, of that app, if you open it up, you can see, you'll see a tab called Get in the Flow and under Get in the Flow, uh, you can let us know about about signing up for a small group. It should be right there on your app and you can just sign up and log in. So we're excited about small groups and I'm excited about this particular sermon series and focus that we are in called Divine Interruption. I'm going to pray again before I start my message and if you missed the last opening uh, message, I'll give you a chance to a little catch up and we'll be on, on pace. Father, we thank you for the divine interruption. We thank you for stepping into our lives and keeping us close to you and making sure that we know that there's more for us. I thank you that you desire what's best for us, our best selves. I thank you that you desire truth in our inner being, that we might not just know the truth, but walk and live in truth. And for some of us, it's not theological. It's not Bible facts. It's the truth of who we really are and that we are loved and that you love us and you've called us to a higher purpose. 
I pray today, Lord, for those who are here today, that, Lord, there is a next step that they need to take with you. And that, Lord, you would know and move in their lives, that they would hear you, and today that their lives will be changed. I pray this. I believe this, that someone's life is going to be changed. I pray that all of our lives will be changed today by the word. We're listening. We're open. We receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So Divine Interruption, this series is really about making us stronger in the faith, making us stronger in the Lord. One thing that I desire more than anything at the pastor, as the pastor of this church, what I desire more than anything is that the people that are a part of this movement would grow deeper in their relationship with God, that they would become more spiritual. That's really my deepest and uh, desire. I was talking to my wife, and we were talking about something funny, and I was saying, you know, when, when you want to change something, when you want to change culture, when you want to change the way you look, there's two ways to do it. There's the easy way, and there's the hard way, right? The easy way is you can go and get some veneers. Y'all know what some veneers are? You can go buy some plastic, uh, some silicone, right? You can go get a little nip tuck. You can dye your hair. You can get some plastic surgery. And you can look real good for about two, five, two to five years. And then after some time, you might have to do it again, as Becky said. And after time, you just look like everybody else who's gone down that road. That's the easy way. A little nip, a little tuck. Veneers some silicone, some plastic surgery, right? The Bible says that when Jesus comes back for his church, she's going to look like a bride adorned, you know, for ready for her husband. I don't think that's what God had in mind, right? I don't think God had designed the church to be wearing Spanx, right, and, and all that stuff. I think God desired the church who may not look as desirable to people, but are desirable to him, God says, we're going to get them teeth fixed. You're going to get some braces. And braces hurt. Can I get a witness, anybody in here? Braces hurt. And braces are expensive. And they take a while. But after a while, you get things straightened out. You smiling all the time. No filter on Instagram. And I believe that's what God needs to do internally, is straighten some things that were disconnected out. That's what spirituality is. That's what discipleship is about, straightening some things, getting you in the gym. And so my desire is that we would become a praying church. We become a believing church, a generous church. People that have people in their lives that they know when they look on the calendar, there's a baptism schedule, they're already praying for five or six people. They're already believing for five or six families to come with them. And look, we're not about trying to build a big church. Just so you know, we're literally about building a movement, a movement of people that bring hope to the city, not facts, not some theological list of things for you to believe. I want you to go home. I want you to go to your job. I want you to go to your school. And I want someone to look at you and say, man, there's something different about them. I need to know what they're all about. And as we talked about last year, God has, last week, God has a way of bringing a divine interruption into our lives. 
And I'm going to run through this real quick so you can see it on the screen and just do a quick little recap and set up what this whole message is about. And here's the basic, the basic thing um, that I want you to know. Let's put it on the screen. Is that God, divine interruption is God's way of calling us to our highest self. What that means is that God has, in, your, in his mind, when he thought of you and he created you, he had this picture in mind. We don't usually know what that is. But the rest of our life is about God bringing that out and showing us the direction of the best self that he has for our lives. And when we can get a glimpse of God's highest self, it actually changes our behavior and our decision making. If we knew the final picture of what God has in store for us, we'd be like, you know what? I'm going to wait because I know what God has for me is even better. And so divine interruption is God's way of calling us to our highest self. And this is what we've been teaching. That what may look like a trial or even a tragedy to some is an opportunity for the believer. We looked at James chapter 1 and 2, and I won't have it on the screen today, but it's, just, it's a verse that you should look up. And basically what it says is that you should rejoice when trials come your way. But does that make any sense? It doesn't make sense to me. I don't rejoice, want to rejoice when trials come my way. I don't want to rejoice when I get a call from Sally Mae. I don't want to rejoice when, when they're calling me. But, but the Bible says you need to rejoice because there's an opportunity there. The opportunity there is for your faith and your perseverance to grow. In other words, like I said last week, can you outlast this trial? I'm going to get real personal. Can your relationship outlast this trial? Can your marriage outlast this hardship? Can your children outlast this financial devastation? Can you outlast what trial comes from you? That's perseverance. Perseverance is, I know this is strong. I know this illness has come. I know this disappointment has come. I wasn't prepared for this, but through God's help, I'm going to outlast it. Through God's help, it's, in other words, one of my favorite words, it's called resilience. Y'all heard that word? People are using that word all the time. I love that word. I should have copyrighted it and owned it. Resilience in your faith to say, God, I'm going to stand strong. And sometimes you got to stand strong even when you're doing wrong. And I'll be honest with you, some of the most powerful times I've heard God have been in the most wicked times and seasons of my life. I don't think you heard what I said. Sometimes I heard God the most when I was drunk. I ain't going to get no witnesses about that in here. When I was tempted to log on to this or go to this person's house, that's when I heard God saying, uh-uh, that's not your highest self. That's when I heard God say, no, you, this, this is really not where you want to be. And when I fell into the consequences of my own behavior, God still had a way of saying, okay, son, we're going to use this to make you stronger. We're going to use this to build on this. And this is what I love about God, is that God is trying 
to build me up. He's not trying to tear me down. He's not trying to make me take steps backwards. He's trying to build me up. Because he's trying to build me up, he's inviting me into the world that he's working in. He's inviting me to work with him in the unseen. So as we go through this series, there's three questions I want to really unpack with you for the next couple weeks. And I want to put these on the screen for you to really see what these questions are. I want to answer, we want to talk about these questions. What does spiritual perseverance look like? And what, what, I, what I'm going to do is not define it for you. This is an opportunity for you to define it for you. You get to say, what does spiritual perseverance look like in my life? What is God building me for? Is it for me more prayer? Is it more Bible study? Is it more service? Is it more attendance at church? Is it to be more generous? Is, should I start giving when I'm, because I'm not? What does that look like? Here's the other question. How do I find joy when my life is interrupted? Because I know how the Bible works. Bible stuff sounds real good, right? Sometimes. It just sounds unbelievable. Rejoice in trials. Yeah, right. Right? Give and it shall be given back to you. I don't think so. Sometimes scripture, people can make scripture sound like a cliche. But there's a reality. How can I find joy when my life is interrupted? Because here's the thing, sometimes when your life is interrupted, it means you're going in the wrong direction. Can I just speak to people who used to get spankings back in the day? I used the word spankings instead of whoopings because that's what they really were. A spanking or a whooping, depending on where you, where you, how you were raised, was an interruption. Anybody had an interruption from your parents? <laughs> that was an interruption. Because you were going this direction, and God was like, or your parents was like, whop, and you started turning the other direction. Some of the most deepest spiritual moments in my life was right before my mom was getting ready to whip me, and I mean, I was repenting. Anybody know that? Mom, listen to me. I am so sorry. I will never do this again. I accept. My, I mean, I was pleading with the Spirit, but he did not hear my prayer. But he actually did, right? Because I needed an interruption. And so here's the last one. What is missing from my life that only God can bring hope and wholeness? What's missing? What's missing from my life? What, what, what do I want but not there? That's not there. Not, not talking about superficial things. <laughs> I'm just talking about you. I'm talking about that dream, right? I'm talking about the person you dream about. <clears throat> Ladies, you know that body you're dreaming about. Now, that may be a body that may be reality, or it may just be for you what you want. But how can you feel loved and whole and beautiful, even if you don't lead up to a standard that the enemy has created for women to pursue endlessly? And not see the beauty that God has put in them. What's missing? So today, I'm going to focus on the first one. That first one, we're going we're gonna to lean into. What does spiritual perseverance look like? And this, we've been following the book of Daniel. Has anybody ever read the book of Daniel? Maybe not. It's an interesting book. It's a book about a, a, a young man who was taken from his home country 
and this new country took over and they had taken him from his country. The biblical word there is exiled him into a different country. And he and a few of his friends and some other boys really from this class of people, he was kind of a higher class person, educated. He was really about 14, maybe 15. And he was taken into basically the Ivy League school of that day to be trained into the king's service. He had to do what the king wanted him to do. And it was difficult because there were some things that he had to be aware of, learned that weren't what he was used to. There were some things he had to do that he was not comfortable with. And throughout this book, Daniel finds ways to stay true to God, but still serves in the context that he is uh, serving or serving, serving in. And so what we find here in the book of Daniel, we, we looked at uh, Daniel chapter 2, or for chapter 1 last, year, last week, and now we're going to look at chapter 2. And one of the reasons we're looking at him is because he has a wonderful story about resilience and about faithfulness in the midst of divine interruption. And see, what happens in church, if you're familiar with church, if you've been around church a long time, what can happen is you can get really comfortable in Babylon. That's where Daniel was. You can get really comfortable there, and you can begin to forget what God has brought you through. You begin to forget the things that God has delivered you from, and the narrative changes, and the story changes to first it was, please pray for me so I can get this car that I'm not qualified for. It, that's what it starts with, right? Then you get the car, and somebody says, oh, you got a new car. And it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I just got a good deal on it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. You, you were saying, Lord, please, here, my, give me this car. And you were rejoicing. And then when you get it, it's like, you know, I got a good deal. No, 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 no. Hmm. Let's not forget where God has brought us from because there's a con- uh, tendency to forget. And I wrote a few notes about this right before we get into uh, Daniel. See, if you're, if you're not aware of the growth that is needed and what God wants you to grow in, you can, you can have some transformations that are not healthy. You can become a consumer instead of a contributor. You can come to church or come to God expecting to consume something and become critical or become like, hey, I want this instead of coming to serve. You can become a distractor instead of a disciple. Starting your own thing here and starting your own thing here or bringing attention to this or bringing attention to that and pouring, wanting to be poured into instead of focusing on pouring out on others. And what I love about this divine intervention is that God has a way to remind you there's something missing. There's something missing. And so we go to Daniel. Let's go to Daniel chapter 2. And right at the top, these first 13 verses begins to paint this story. And as I mentioned before, this wasn't just about Daniel. It was about Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was the name of the king who had taken over Daniel's country. So here's what the Bible says. One night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had such a disturbing dream, he couldn't fall asleep. He called his magicians, his enchanters, his sorcerers, astrologers, and he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. That's a hard thing to ask. As they stood before the king, he said, I have had 
a dream that deeply troubles me. I must know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, long live the king, tell us the dream, and we will tell you what it means. But the king said to the astrologers, I'm serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, you will be torn limb from limb and your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. Talk about pressure on the job. Talk about pressure to perform. But if you tell me what my I dreamed and what the dream means, I will give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me the dream and what it means. In other words, get it right, you die. You, you prosper. Get it wrong, you die. So obviously, the plan here is to start making stuff up, right? I mean, that's, that's the plan instantly. If you're a magician and a sorcerer, you got a crazy emperor, someone crazy in charge, let's start making some stuff up. The king, I'm not going there. The king replied, if I know what you are doing, you're stalling for time because you know how serious when I say. Oh, sorry. They said, did I skip over verse 7? Yeah, they said, please tell us what the dreams and we'll tell you what it means. He said, no, I know what you're doing. You're stalling because you know I'm serious when I say this. If you don't tell me the dream, you're doomed. So you have conspired to tell me lies, hoping I will change my mind. But tell me the dream, and I'll know that you tell me what it means. The astrologer replied to the king, no one on earth can tell the king this dream. And no king, how power, great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing of a music, magician, enchanter, or astrologer. The king's demand is impossible. They, I mean, they got nothing to lose, right? They might as well just put it all out on the table. No one except the gods can tell you your dream, and they don't live here among people. The king was furious when he heard this. He ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. Divine interruption. God gives an evil king, a dream that he can't understand is keeping him up at night. Can I just tell you, there's people around you that are being kept up at night. There's something troubling them. There's something bothering them. There's a nudge there that something's not complete. And in his crazy, murderous response says, I'm killing everybody. Everybody's done. It's over. Imagine being at your desk. You don't have nothing to do with that. You're not even there. You're just minding your godly little business, singing hymns. Swing wide, all ye heavens. Somebody's coming to you. Uh, hey, bro, excuse me. Just thought I'd let you. Did you get the memo? You know, from Office Space? Yeah. Y'all didn't see that movie. <laughs> Did you guys know that um, we have a one o'clock meeting at the break room? Uh, we're going to go over some financial reports. Uh, at five, we're going to have an execution. So you might need to go ahead and clean out your desk um, because you're going to be executed later today. Now, could you imagine how you feel? Right? Because, because there are times when we know we're doing wrong. And let's be honest, there are times when we know we're living right. 
It's okay. Maybe nobody ever gave you permission for that. It's okay. There are some times you're doing well with God. And I think that should be a lot of the time. Sometimes you're doing a lot better than you used to do. Amen. (laughs) But there's a threat. There is a divine interruption into your life. And you're doing right. And as James would say, believers can see this and say, this is either an opportunity for me to panic and quit on God and leave him, or this is an opportunity for me to put my faith into test. Here's an opportunity for me to outlast the situation. So let's see what happens. What does Daniel and the guys do? When Arak, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them. Y'all see this in the Bible? When he came to kill He was not coming. He was coming to kill them. Hey, guys, I'm here to kill you. Daniel, I love this, handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. Your boy's probably 16, 17. The man's coming with the sword. And the Bible says... Daniel handled, like there's no, how do you negotiate that? I mean, he has a very clear objective. I'm coming to kill you. Daniel negotiates, handles the situation with wisdom and discretion. Can I help you? That is God. That is God. There is hope for you to handle the situation that is threatening you with wisdom and discretion. Just just out of a scale of 1 to 10, how did you handle the last situation you were in? Did they come with a sword and you pulled out the Glock like, all right, I wish it's on. Right? Honey, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. Daddy, we need to talk. No, I need to talk to you about your grades and your phone. Right? Are you coming with this? Are, are, are you open to God giving you an opportunity to be diplomatic, to have wisdom, to not respond with one of the fingers on your hand, but with all the fingers on your hand? Excuse me. So let's read. Because this is interesting to me. He asked Arach, can you just... Give me a little context. (laughs) I just, I would like to be informed about why we're being killed. Would you mind telling us why the king has issued such a, might I add, harsh degree? Because you really don't want to do this. But so he told him, put the sword back in the holster, and he told him all that happened. See, some people are coming against you. And it's really not their choice. God, listen to me. Some people have grown up in a context that the only response they have is to do what their heart is telling them to do. And the Bible says our heart lies to us. And sometimes we don't have freedom and we're just responding out of whatever dysfunctional context that we've come from. And that's our first, and someone comes to you with that. And you might think that that's really where they're coming from, but they're not really coming from that. And Daniel breaks it down. Break it down to me. Verse 16. Daniel went at once to see the king. 
and he requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. Now that is some faith. That's faith, y'all. Because the king already said, I'm through it, y'all. I'm through. We're done. We're not talking about this anymore. Daniel said, can I go to see the king? Daniel shows up. The Bible doesn't give us a lot of detail because you know why? Sometimes it's not something that we can put down in print. It's not a moment that we can easily describe. It's just a moment where we know that God is working for us. It's just a moment where we step out in faith and just believe. And God makes miracles and he makes mountains and he moves them out the way for us. It's those moments that we just trust God to outlast what we might be afraid of. Daniel, let me talk. Let me talk to you. Give me a little time. Look what happens. He went home. Now, this is why I'm not in the Bible. Bible says said Daniel went home and found the fastest chariot and traveled to Moab and hill hid in the hills. That's what it said. And Terence found a chariot and slept and slipped out in the middle of the night and was found in the hills until 40 years later when he returned to Babylon. That's that's what would have happened. Daniel goes home, tells his friends Hananiah Mishael and Azariah, what happened? And they just got drunk. They got some weed. They went down to uh, Finley, right? Dropped their whole paycheck. We're going to smoke. La da 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 da. It's smoking. It's, hey, it's our last day, right? We're going out. Is that, is that what happens? What, is, what does it say? He went and told his boys, he urged them. To ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. What they did was they prayed. Here's my question. Who do you run to? I can just drop the mic right there. Let me see your friends on your favorite phone. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why you're in the shape you're in. Show me the last five people you called. Who's the people you hung out with this week? Are they your people? Are they the people that when you come to and say, we got a problem, they say, hey man, let's drop. Let's, let's get this prayer on. Or are they going to say, let's turn up? Are we going to turn down? Are we going to turn up? Which one? You got to have some people in your life that know how to pray. You got to get some people around you that know how to fight in the spirit. You got to see when you got people around you that are trying to persevere, that are trying to get better, you get better. If you got people around you that when trials come and they don't see it the way you see it, they're going to always bring you back and you're going to keep repeating and repeating and miss the blessing of what God is trying to do with you. I'm not saying you leave all your friends. I'm just saying all your friends are not your people. You got to get some people. You got to find some people that will say, we know exactly what to do. We're going to stop, pause, and pray. Here's verse 19. That night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. That night, God answered their prayers. If there was no divine interruption, Daniel would not have the gift of interpreting dreams. You didn't hear what I said. 
See, when he showed up, he just had wisdom. He just had some ability to negotiate. But in a crisis, God was preparing him for a new set of skills. He said, Daniel, I'm getting ready to put you to the next level, and now you're getting ready to be a dream interpreter. And so I'm giving you a divine interruption to show you that there's more inside of you. Can I just tell you that maybe you had a breakup so God could prepare you for the husband he wants to give you. Y'all not shouting yet. Maybe you lost your job because God is preparing you for the business he wants you to run. Maybe you heard no so you could hear yes. Maybe you heard yes so you could tell somebody no. Maybe God is trying to get you to outlast the next week so you can look forward to the next season of your life to reach the highest self that God has for you. So, the secret was revealed. Now, I thought this might be fun because I knew I was going to run out of time to really break down the dream. And I thought the kids might enjoy this too. And so I found a video that picks up the story from this point. And so kids, if you've been listening, I want you to watch this. If you haven't been listening, I still want you to watch it. And you can tell your parents to look at all YouTube. You can watch it over and over and over again until they're tired of this video. But this is what happens. Now, in the dream, what he saw was a statue. And the statue had four different parts to it, four different materials. And in this video, it's going to show Daniel uh, giving the interpretation of the dream. Now, it is a cartoon. There are no robots or little kids here in Babylon, just so you know. It's called Superbook. It's a cartoon. Because I know some, not everybody knows these Bible stories, and I don't want you to to be confused and look back in the Bible and say, I didn't see the robot. Did you? Where was the robot at? No, that robot's not in there. That's just this. So let's watch this. You kids, you ready? I see a couple eyeballs in the dark. Okay, let's see this. This is what happens when Daniel and his friends go see the king. Let's turn it up real loud and scare everybody. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. For wisdom and might are his. Chris, wake up! He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and it? secret things. He knows what is in the darkness. There's and light dwells praying? with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. Take me to the king, and I will explain the meaning of his dream. Can you tell me my dream and what it means? Your Majesty, not even the smartest person in all the world can do what you are demanding. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And while you were sleeping, he showed you what will happen in the future. 
Your Majesty, what you saw standing in front of you was a huge and terrifying statue. This image, huge and dazzling, towered before you, fearful to behold. Its head was made of gold. Its chest and arms were silver, and from its waist down to its knees, it was bronze. From there to its ankles, it was iron, and its feet were a mixture of iron and clay. As you watched, a stone was cut from a mountain, but not by human hands. The stone struck the feet, completely shattering the iron and clay, and swept away like chaff before the wind until no trace remained. But the stone became a tremendous mountain that covered the entire earth. Was that really the dream? How would I know? And the meaning of the dream? Why does it fill me with dread? Because you, O oh King of Kings, you are that head of gold. After you, there will arise another kingdom, and then a third, and then a fourth, as strong as iron. During the time of those kings, the god who rules from heaven will set up an eternal kingdom that will never fall. He's told Nebuchadnezzar that his kingdom will fall. Now I know that your God is above all other gods and kings because he gave you the power to explain this mystery. I will make you chief of all my wise men and governor of the province of Babylon. The work will be better done, my king, if these good men govern beside me. It will be as you wish. that awesome? Verse 45, the 46 and 47, the end of Daniel, is what Daniel said that the stone that came out of the mountain that wasn't cut from human hands, that represented a kingdom that would come and destroy all of those kingdoms and that that kingdom would be established and it would never crumble. That is prophetic language. That is prophecy about Jesus. That Jesus is the stone cut not from human hands that comes and destroys and establishes a kingdom that will never be dethroned. The church, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven on earth that will never be dethroned.
Now here's what I want to tell you about this. Because Nebuchadnezzar, God gave him this dream and he was disturbed in his spirit. And God was trying to show him that king, you're that head of gold in that dream. And your kingdom is going to come to an end. And it's going to come to an end by the hands of Jesus. This is what I want you to know. This is good news. That there's a reason why you are staying up at night. There's a reason why something's not settled in your spirit. There's a reason why there's an uneasiness inside of you. And I want you to know it's a gift from God. Because God is trying to help you understand that your kingdom is coming to a close. There's going to be a divine interruption. And I want you to know that when you allow the kingdom of God to come into your life, it will tear down the false kingdom of gold that you have set up. The way that you do things, the way you are going, the way you're trying to pursue your dreams. God says, just wait. One of these days, my love will come in a stone and it will crush you and break down your kingdom. And I'm going to rebuild you from the ground up on the cornerstone of Jesus. And so I have an announcement to tell you today that there's going to be a divine interruption in your life if you let it that Jesus will begin to tear down that kingdom of brokenness and dysfunctionalism and rashness and harshness and God wants to build you up from the ground up just go ahead and let his love crash into you just go ahead and let his love crumble you just go ahead and let his love break you down because when he breaks you down I promise he'll build you up so God is trying to tell you there's something missing in you nothing else can fill don't run from me in trouble run to me in trouble don't run away from me run to me because I'm here for you and God sent Daniel to Nebuchadnezzar not only to gift Daniel but to bless Nebuchadnezzar and in my role of Daniel today I've come to prophesy to you to introduce to you the Jesus that saves, to introduce to you the God that loves you, to call you to your highest self, to tell you that this trial is not meant to break you. It's meant to make you stronger. It's meant to teach you perseverance. So I want to ask your head to, to bow, your eyes to close, and we do this to give people an opportunity to give their lives to God. And what's going to happen is I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask for you, for those who need to make a next step, to make that next step. We're going to sing a little bit. And as it was mentioned earlier, there is a baptism today. And I'm going to transition into that. It won't take long. But for now, for some of you, God is just knocking on your heart. He's saying, make that next step. I don't know what it is for you. We've identified five things we call getting the flow. To get started to just get started with God, just to start coming back to church, just start reading your Bible. Maybe your next step is to get baptized. You've accepted Jesus, but it's time for you to make it public. Maybe for you, it's just to get involved, just to start serving on a team, just to start getting involved in church. Maybe it is to get invitational, to be a part of a small group, to invite people into your life, to, to be a part of people's lives 
in your circles of influence and finally to get generous. Some of you just, just are not, are withholding your love. You're withholding your time. You're withholding the resource that is you. God wants to open that up for you. So I want to pray for someone today. Maybe just, I want to pray the get started prayer today just to accept Jesus. And if you have made a next step, if you have a next step you want to make, would you just be so bold as while everybody's eyes are closed just to raise your hand? God bless you, I see you. God bless you. Thank you so much. I want to pray for you while your hand's raised. Don't be ashamed. Father, those hands that are raised today, I pray that you will show them the God of love, the God of grace that you are. And I pray that today they will know that they are making the best decision of their life. Father, we accept you into our lives. We accept your leadership. We acknowledge that Jesus is our Savior and that his blood was enough to save us. We surrender our own efforts to try to save ourselves, and we accept that what you have given is enough. I pray for healing, I pray for freedom, and I pray for joy to return to them now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate those decisions. Let's celebrate what God is doing. Come on, why don't you just stand for a few seconds and just begin to sing this song with us as we celebrate what God has done.
take a seat for a second. So as you can see, I'm the only one in this pool today. And I wanted to, to do this because for a couple different reasons. First of all, I want the church to know that baptism is not about us. It's about you. Meaning that what we've decided to do as a church is to step into faith and we have scheduled our baptisms. We have scheduled it because baptism is a next step for you. It's an opportunity for you. But those who have not been baptized to say, after you got started, you say, you know what? I just want to make it public and I want to be a part of the family and the kingdom of God. And so we have decided as a leadership team to schedule these baptisms. And here's the thing. Aside from somebody signing up or aside from someone letting us know, we have no idea who's going to be baptized. And there have been times when we have scheduled a baptism with someone and somebody showed up and says, I want to get baptized today. And so it's about you. It's about what you want to do with God. And I, I wanted to, to visualize this. And, I'm, and this is not in any way to, to build a guilt trip. You know, I you come up here and say, well, nobody's in here because you didn't bring nobody. That's, that's not the truth at all. But I just want you to see our commitment to bringing hope to people. I just want you to see our commitment to what we believe in. Yeah, you can feel this cool out, and it costs money. Let me tell you, thank you for more people being generous because this costs some money. But you know what? It's worth it. There's no expense. The Bible says when the prodigal son comes home, there is no expense. He says, kill that fatted calf. He says, go get those Versace shoes and that Versace robe and go get that ring. I want him to look like Bruno Mars on 24 Karat Magic. I, w- I want his hair dripping. I want him to look fly because the lost son or the lost daughter has come home. And so here's what I wanted to do. I wanted to have one more prayer and then we're going to close out. And what I want you to think about is is maybe somebody in your life that you're praying for. And my challenge would be the next baptisms. Our baptisms are on the second weeks of the month. We only have one more for the rest of the year. That's in November. We won't have one in December. And so November is the last time for the year this year. And I want you to start thinking about some people that you're praying for. People that you're believing are already on that journey. And listen, baptism won't fix anybody, but Jesus will. 
Amen. Baptism is Beyonce. If you like it, put a ring on it. That's all that is. See, I'm going public. And I, I guarantee you, uh, there's some people here who have made that decision. One is not here, but the other one is here. We saw him get baptized, Marcus and Joanne, just about just four weeks ago. And it's been a beautiful experience. And I just want us to pray. I want to pray for those that may be in your life that you're thinking about. I want to pray for those that you're dreaming for, you're believing for, that one day they would be in this pool with me. So why don't we pray together? Father, we pray right now. As I stand in this pool, I want it to burn in our minds that you are here with arms wide open, ready for us to take that next step with you. And we're praying right now, right now for those we believe and those we love, Lord, that you would continue to move on their hearts and that you would draw them close to you. And Lord, we pray for us that you would turn us into soul winners, to people winners, to hope deliverers, that just like those apps, DoorDash, and Uber Eats, that we might bring the gospel where people are hungry. And we're praying today that someone that we know and love would join your kingdom and join your family once again. And maybe, Lord, there's even someone in here that this is just solidifying their decision, maybe to be baptized for the first time or to be rebaptized again, to recommit their lives to you. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And amen.